Okay, well, we'll go ahead and, and dive in. So we're in week five. We got one more week after this. Um, and just a reminder, you know, this is a study. Uh, the study of this book is about equipping ourselves to tell others about Christ's salvation. So we're in the equip hour. So this is what we're trying to talk about is equipping ourselves, right? Um, again, the book is Tell Someone by Greg Laurie. Um, and so I think it's, we're at a good point in this to sort of remind ourselves, what are we equipping ourselves to do, right? And, and two things sort of jump out, right? Uh, we're largely equipping our hearts for how we care for the unsaved and our minds about how we think about others and preparing to share the gospel. So as we're going through these things, sort of keep those things in mind. Okay, so uh, in the first five chapters, I'll give sort of a recap. I think most folks have been here, but it doesn't hurt to remind uh, ourselves of what we've been looking at, right? Um, First bullet is obedience is sharing the gospel. We're commanded to do it, and it's a sin not to. Uh, God can and will use you if you allow him. He's equipped you with exactly what you need at that moment. We get to share our joy. Uh, so with that, we can be happier and more engaging than even when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, right? Uh, don't make excuses, because ultimately that's all they are is excuses. Uh, plan for success and not failure. That's a good reminder, right? I've sort of reminded myself of that over these weeks in my personal thing. We're saying, you know what? I've got God on my side. There's not a reason to think that I'm going to fail, um, because ultimately all I have to do is, is share the good news. I don't have to save them. That's God's work. Uh, pray, prepare, and be purposeful throughout your day. Uh, we were talking um, earlier, Jane and I were talking about how just being more intentional changes your outlook and how you engage people, Right? Praying before you go and you know you're going to talk with somebody who you don't know is saved or not. And just that prayer beforehand and then thinking about what you might say if the opportunity arises. You know, that one statement uh, that you might be able to make um, and start engaging in that conversation. How that really does change your outlook. Uh, Reminded to care for each other. It's uh, fundamental to sharing the gospel. If we don't care, why are we sharing, right? So... um, so how we care for others matters. Uh, to Also reminded to consider all those we get to interact with. Remind, remember that we get to interact with them. That's a privilege to interact with others and to share the gospel. Uh, whether it's daily, weekly, monthly, and so on. And when we consider that, we can also consider where we get to interact with others. And for all those people, think about their spiritual state. Again, helps us be mindful of the conversation that's taking place and pay attention to open doors. I have a sense of urgency. Uh, also, remember, we get to be a blessing to others. Sharing the gospel isn't miserable, so we shouldn't act like it, right? Um, set our negative feelings about unbelievers aside and focus on what we know and what we believe and we share that with them. And then uh, also that God cares, so we should care as well. Uh, Sharing our faith brings joy to God, energizes our faith, 
right? And lets others see our joy. Another reminder, you probably know more than you think you do. So share it. Share what you know. You don't have to be uh, R.C. Sproul or Spurgeon or somebody to share the gospel. Uh, God will equip us. And lastly, have the mind of Christ. So that's sort of the recap of the first first weeks. Um, last week was chapter 6 and 7, and then on your handout, got on the front there a week 4 review. So if you'd like to fill in the blanks, you can grab a pen. Uh, but these were the things we covered last week. Uh, the first one is ask about their life. Uh, the next one was just simply listen. The next one was be purposeful. And you have there pray, pray, prepare a statement, other ways you can be purposeful. Uh, and another way to be thinking about it is be deliberate. Right? It's not chance that we get to interact with people throughout our day. God's ordained our, our paths, and so if we're deliberate and trying to align ourselves with what God has put in front of us that day, we'll have opportunities to share. Next one is ask questions. Um, the next one is show humility. And then we also talked about making a spiritual point and seeing if they respond. Remember, they need someone to tell and show them the way. So if they don't have somebody to, right, all of us were presented the gospel by somebody else. Somebody told us about the good news. Unbelievers need that same exact thing. Somebody else has to tell them the good news. Chances are they're not going to stumble on it on themselves, by themselves, right? I mean, it could be the Bible. There's some people that read the Bible and, you know, come to faith that way. But mm, you could say the vast majority of the time, like 99% probably or something like that, is, is because somebody actually talked with them and told them and showed them the way. Don't forget to ask if they understand. Because a lot of times, talking about spiritual things, if they don't come from that background of things, they just don't understand what we're talking about. And therefore, it's hard to comprehend, and they don't know what to do with it. And that leads to a deeper understanding um, and deeper conversation, hopefully. Don't forget to be winsome to be win- to, in order to win some. Sorry, I got tongue-tied there. Be winsome in order to win some, right? So, remember that verse about be all things to others, right? It's about how you relate to people. That's what the verse is about. And so we've got to have the ability to, like, them to actually want to engage with us. If they don't want to engage with us, then why are they going to listen to us, right? So uh, we were reminded to always tailor the conversation. Again, looking at uh, Christ with the Samaritan woman and Nicodemus, the rich young ruler, he engaged them all very differently based on where they were in life, what their concerns were, what their needs were. And so we should take that example from Christ and follow it. Then we, uh, again, going back to the earlier chapter, chapter 2, where we talked about caring people, we need to show love. Right? The most, or I should say the largest thing that will draw people to Christ is love. Right? I was... I happened at 
I don't know why, I don't know if it was the radio, if it was in a store or something, but I heard this song, and it was actually sort of sad, but it was, it, it really talked about the state of people today, where the person was just like, I'm a good person, but all these bad things keep happening to me, right? I'm a good person, I broke my arm, I'm a good person, you know, and then they started talking about karma or something, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like this song's terrible, right? But... I was listening to it mainly because it, it sort of was like, oh my goodness, this is the state of people today. Wait, I'm good. I don't understand. They're asking questions, right? I'm a good, uh, part of the song was I'm a good person, but I don't have, I don't have any good friends, right? Or something like that. And, and you just, it was almost heartbreaking when you listened to it, right? And then they listed off all these things in the song. It's a terrible song. But anyway, point is, th- that's where a lot of people are, Right? They believe they're good, but they don't understand why they don't have meaningful relationships, why they don't have anything that matters in their life, why bad things are happening, so to speak, right? Not that it's a transactional thing, but you know what I mean. They, like, they, they just can't find any purpose, and so that's where a lot of people are, and so just getting in that conversation is what's going to draw people in to look for something better than what they have because their current state isn't good. So that was a good reminder to me. Okay, the last thing was... Don't forget to show them Christ, right? Christ is the center of the good news. And so wherever the conversation goes, it's got to get back to Christ uh, when we're sharing the gospel. Okay, Uh, a couple reminders from last week's sermon as well. Um, Don't fear sharing the gospel. Take encouragement from the Lord. Um, In fact... Be confident in God's plan and your part in it. It'll sort of change your approach when we're confident in that. And then thirdly, remember that God is with us in his sovereign election glorifies himself. And that sovereign election should be our fuel for evangelism. Again, go back to don't plan for failure. Right? Plan for success. Um, Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen immediately, but the fact of the matter is God has ordained the future, and we should trust that. And so if that person is going to come to Christ, we should just do our part, let the Holy Spirit take it from there. Okay. I also made a note um, based on, on the sermon last equip hour, and I just thought I'd share this. You know, when somebody asks, we, we had talked about, you know, people might ask questions like, how could a loving God send people to hell? You know, there's sometimes, again, just like Christ, right? You turn the conversation to a question. But think about responding with something like, let's look at it from a different viewpoint. What kind of God would love sinners enough who can't measure up to his standards to actually die on the cross and make salvation available to everyone who believes? Like that's, that's the important thing, right? And so what society has done largely is said, a God that punishes people can't be good. Well, that would be like saying all the parents who punish their kids and help them grow up a good kid, right, are not good. Well, that would be silly to say. What would be more amazing is, you know, the sacrifices that the parent makes for the kid, right? I mean, so you can look at it from two perspectives. Obviously, one is very skewed, but again, those are the types of things we can turn the conversation just by asking a question to ask them to consider looking at it from a different viewpoint. 
and that kind of thing. Okay, so this week we're going to get into chapter 8, which is the power of your personal story. And obviously if we're having a conversation at some point, your personal story will probably come up or can come up uh, pretty easily, right? So uh, the, the author makes a point to say this is a, one of the most powerful tools in sharing the gospel because it's personal. Right now you're engaging on a personal level, talking about what's meaningful to you. Uh, he points out that a, a person can argue all day with you about perceptions and what they believe are facts, but the one thing they can never argue with you about is your personal testimony or testimonies, right? could be different things throughout your life but specifically how you came to faith and your testimony. Because it, it's yours. It's, it's pure fact, right? They can't argue with that. So it's easy enough to say something like, this is the way I used to think and the way I used to view Christians in the church, but then dot, 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 fill in the blank. Um, the thing you're doing when you, do some, when you say something like that is you're showing how you change direction. Right, and giving them sort of the reason of why you changed direction. Um, but the author goes on to say, look, maybe your testimony is dramatic, right? Maybe it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever, whatever you know, a, a more dramatic thing was. Maybe it wasn't dramatic. Maybe it was just simply having emptiness, which relates to most people, by the way, probably more than some of the more dramatic things, um, or so they believe. Um, but there is a reason, right? And so we need to understand what our reason was, and that's what we just need to share with them. You, you might be surprised. You might think, well, this won't relate to anybody else. You know, they're not in the same boat. Well, maybe they are. You just don't know them well enough to know what they're thinking at that time. So you don't need to worry about that, but the Holy Spirit will worry about that. All you need to do is share your story. The author goes on to also say, look, all Christians have a similar story. Right? I mean, if we really break it down to the nuts and bolts, right? We're in rebellion of, against God because of our sin. We heard the gospel. We believed in Jesus for a reason and turned from our sin. Christ forgave all, all my sins and, and gave me a peace and purpose in life. And now, instead of going to hell, I'm going to heaven to spend eternity with God. Right? I mean, that's, that's pretty much everybody's testimony. You, you can rephrase those things a little bit, which will... Uh, We'll do a little bit here as you write down your own things. But, um, but if you take that and, you, and then you start thinking about the personal story, you can look back in the Bible and look at how Paul starts a lot of his engagements. And specifically, the book draws out Acts 26 when he's talking with King Agrippa. Right? He just starts with his personal story. He actually does that numerous times throughout Acts. Um, so the point is, you know, nobody can really dispute that. You're just saying, this is what happened to me. I'm telling you what happened to me. Um, and you can do that. The, the author uh, gives a couple warnings, though. One warning is, don't glorify or exaggerate your path, past. Uh, truthfulness is, is key. One, because, you know, we just want to be honest. Um, but he goes on to say, you know, God doesn't need a made-up story to reach people. So we don't need to embellish a thing, right? We don't need to make our past seem more appealing than our present. Our present's the good state, right? Past, not so good state. Uh, so, you know, he says, you know, don't belabor the past life 
and then truncate the present. The present is what should be the enticing part of sharing the gospel and sharing our personal story. Certainly don't make it sound like life became dull and ended when you believed. Have, have you ever heard anybody share and you're like, wow, they had a pretty exciting past. Sure seems like everything got pretty lame after they got saved, right? It, you might have heard that. I've heard it. And you sort of go, where's the joy? Like, I'm not sure that really uh, encourages anything. Okay, uh, another warning was don't emphasize the great sacrifices you made for Christ. You've got to remember, <laughs> Christ is the center, right? Christ made the greatest sacrifice. And so if we emphasize the sacrifices we made for Christ, we flipped everything out of order. And, and we're not really sharing the good news. We're just lifting ourselves up like, oh, I was, I was so bad. Look at me. Look, look at how righteous I am now kind of thing, right? That, that's what it does. Um, and so we need to remember, bring it back to Christ and remind ourselves. Uh, Christ is, you know, gave us the greatest sacrifice. And uh, anything we gained is, is due to Christ, not due to ourselves. Uh, he, he finishes up that section by saying, people shouldn't go away or marvel over our stories. Rather, they should marvel at Christ. Right? So that's where we want them to be. That when they go away, they're thinking about Christ. They're not thinking about what I said about how I was or even how I am today. Maybe, you know, that should be enticing to them. But ultimately, what we want them doing is going away, thinking about Christ um, and where that fits in. Okay, so go ahead and flip your hand out over. Everybody, if somebody needs a pen, we can grab one for you. Um, but... Really, what we're going to do is, is go through and ask you to, you know, go ahead and write a word or two or a bullet or something, and we're going to go through this. I'm going to give you a few minutes. Don't overthink it, right? Again, it doesn't have to be grandiose or anything, but we're just going to put a couple of things down in each of these little blocks, right? So previous state, one to three things, right? Simple things. Who told you the gospel? It's not so important that it's a name. But, you know, think about, like, was it a friend? Was it a relative? Something like that, right? Somebody told you the gospel. Um, again, this, this is, that's not the focus of it, but the point is it, it makes it a little more real when we're going through that. Um, you know, we'll answer why you believed. You know, just think about what was missing before you had Christ in your life, right? What, what was out of whack? Whatever terminology you want to use, but something... Something wasn't right, and when you heard about Christ, something was enticing to you. Something made you curious, wanted to learn more, right? So that's the why you believe. Um, then what happened when you believed? You know, how did, things, how did things, you know, change in your heart, in your thinking, right? And then you'll get into the how my life was changed for the better, right? And then... Uh, and the next thing is what you get to look forward to or what you get to avoid by having Christ in your life, if you want to look at it that way a little bit. And then lastly, why it's important for you to know or for others to, to know about Christ from your viewpoint. Okay, so go ahead, take a few minutes, fill those points out.
Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a few minutes, to partner up with somebody, and just go through the outline real quick. Each of you, like two minutes. Don't overthink it. So here's why we're doing it, right? In order to equip ourselves, practice makes it easier, right? Just like with any task or anything we're doing. So just find a friend um, and just go through the outline, right? Just, just go through what you've got. Um, and what I think we'll find, hopefully what we'll find is this will give some of those statements that we can talk about, that have the opportunity to talk about things in the future. So whether that's your spouse, whether it's somebody else, um, just go ahead and do it. Two minutes each. And let's start. Go ahead. Okay, let's go ahead and wrap it up. So as you, for those of you who are sort of making your way back, I like the fact that some people don't want to stop. But um, for those of you who are wake, making your way back, uh, you know, to where you might have moved from, you know, that you don't have, obviously you don't need to follow this outline, right? But what I'd encourage you to do is take some of these points, maybe come up with more later. Th these are the kind of things when you're talking with somebody and they say something, like that can be a, an entry point where you have that statement ready, right? Like they're talking about, oh, I'm so miserable. Well, talk about the joy in your life. Right? That's your personal story. Right? There, so there's, there's a lot of different things here. I'd encourage, I saw some people sort of sticking with their spouse and some people sort of branching out a little more. That's probably the extrovert and introverts in us. But I would encourage you, if you're not, if you didn't feel that comfortable even, say, talking to your spouse about it or, or going through this with somebody here in the church, I'd offer up, you know, one of the things we need to do is practice this more, right, to get comfortable. Everybody knows repetition just makes it easier, right? Not, not just with sharing the gospel, with just about anything. So if you weren't that comfortable with it or you weren't like, eh, you know, I, I'm comfortable, you know, like maybe Jessica's comfortable talking to Randy or something like that, but maybe she doesn't feel as comfortable going over and talking to Brenda, then we should probably practice, right? And so just think about how you felt when I said share it. And think about whether you're like, yeah, I'm okay sharing it with the person I really know. But remember, and chances are in a lot of cases, we may not be sharing it with somebody we know terribly well. And so, but this is your personal story, right? This is, this is the good stuff. This is the good news, right? Not your personal story so much. Christ is the good news. But this is what we get to share. And nobody can take your personal story away. So uh, just think about that, right? And... Uh, and think about repetition. You know, maybe in small groups, maybe that's something we do periodically. Maybe we just sort of stop and sort of, you know, share our story. Now, it might be more, you know, what happened this week and how that related and bring it back to Christ. But maybe we practice sharing that um, or what have you. But this is some, some of the things we need to do to continue to equip ourselves. Okay, we're going to dive into chapter 9. And when I first read the book, I sort of went, why do you put the chapter here? Because the chapter is labeled, what is the gospel? And I'm like, the whole entire book we've been talking about sharing the gospel, and now we're talking about what is the gospel? Um, and Adam and I were talking about this before we even kicked it off, and I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll reorder the, reorder the things, the chapters in the book a little bit. And then as I went back and looked at it, I went, oh, I, okay, I sort of get it, right? Like, We've talked about all these things about, you know, how Christ shared it, shared it, da, 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 da. We really need to understand what it is and remind ourselves 
as, as we're continuing to go out and share what we're talking about. Okay, so gospel means what? Good news? Yep, thanks, Gary. Um, so when you get right down to it, it's a bad news, good news story, right? Uh, you've got Romans 3.23, right? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's, that's the bad news. Um, and, you know, sometimes people protest and say that they're a good person. And, of course, the Bible responds to that with 1 John 1.8, right? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Um, you know, what is sin? Well, sin's missing the mark, crossing the line, however you want to say it, right? Um, you know, missing the mark would be off target, right? You're just going the wrong direction. Uh, you know, crossing the line would be, think of trespasses, right? But the people don't use the word trespass a lot today unless you're talking about property. So I'm not sure that always relates to everybody. So we might want to use some terms like crossing the line. Uh, Romans 3.19, Paul reminds us about the purpose of the law. So when people say, you know, the Bible doesn't, the Bible's not a good news story, right, to me. It just makes me feel bad when I, when I think about these things or whatever. That's where, you know, we've got Romans 3.19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. So, you know, the point there is we can't, can't do enough to earn salvation. Uh, it, you know, that's where it sort of leads us. And then the good news is Christ is the only righteous person and loved us enough to die for us, wiping out that sin. Uh, August 27th sermon on Acts 13, 13 to 52, uh, Adam made a variety of points in that sermon. Uh, and specifically four points about what it means to tell the gospel, right? He reminded us about the Old Testament being a map that leads to Jesus. You know, that map points out a few things, right? Man needed to be saved. You know, there are a whole bunch of things where man continued to, you know, sacrifices, trying to obey the law, but none of it was sufficient. And that we all needed something to be more incomplete. Uh, another point was to clarify the gospel story of Jesus. Be clear and keep it focused on Christ and how he saved you or me. Uh, God provided a way to be saved, and he provides that way for others to be saved. Uh, another point was call sinners to repentance and faith in Jesus, resulting in the hope of forgiveness. Versus more sin, and also rest versus disarray. Um, another point that was made was anchor our confidence in God's truth about Jesus. You know it's true, so speak like it. Use the word of God as your script. And then lastly was find joy in your witness of Jesus. And make sure that joy comes through. Okay, so going back into the book. So, uh, when somebody's talking about, hey, I'm a good person, you know, I don't really think I'm a sinner, right? Because the word sinner doesn't quite translate to a lot of people uh, today. Then, you know, maybe you just ask a simple question. Have you ever lied or stolen anything? Did you know it was wrong? Most people will be able to say yes to those questions, Right? 
And then, then you just start, then the next question is, why do you, what, what are you basing that standard on? Right? Um, Jesus in Matthew 5, 48, talks about, uh, he says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So, you know, you use that, and then it's like, well, are you perfect? I, I doubt many people in today's world will say, yes, I'm perfect. I, w- I would be very surprised, right? And that's what the author's trying to get at. And then he said a lot of people will come back with saying, but I'm still a good person. So the author suggests maybe we don't dispute that so much and get into an argument about whether they're good or a sinner. But maybe it's more of a response, like something like, uh, I'm sure you're good in many ways, relatively speaking, but here's the problem. You aren't good in every way. And that's what's required to get into heaven. That's what's required to, to know God, ultimately. And, and then you're stressing that it's about, salvation's about being a forgiven person, not being a good person, right? So that's a way to sort of take it that direction. Uh, James 2.10 uh, says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles on just one point is guilty of breaking it, right? So we can remind ourselves of that, that, look, it's, it's not just about being good in some things. And the only way we can be fully justified is with Christ. So the book goes on and talks, reminds us about what salvation is, right? God shows us how good the good news is by showing us the bad news. Uh, Romans 5, 6 to 8 uh, talks about how Christ died for the ungodly. Um, and even says, very rarely, will anyone die for a righteous person? Though through, uh, sorry, therefore a good person might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us, so while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So we were helpless. Uh, Christ came at just the right time, died for us sinners, and he did what no one else could do. Right, Galatians 2.20, he loved, loved me and gave himself for me. Right, that's part of our story. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.3 and 4 is a great summary of, of telling the gospel, right? For I received what I passed on to you, as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That he was buried, he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Right? So again, we've got to tell the story. Right? First Corinthians is even saying it there. Of course, you have John 3.16. Right? Really sort of nuts and bolts. God sent Christ out of love. Christ died for us out of love so we could be forgiven. Um, and the author quotes C.H. Spurgeon. At one point, he was asked to sum up his faith in just a few words and all he said was, Jesus died for me. So again, we don't have to overcomplicate it. The gospel story is very clear. It's really not that complex. Um, you know, there's, there's plenty uh, there. So we don't need to overcomplicate things. The author says, you know, he, he recommends, don't use archaic language that people don't understand. Um, remember in Acts and Pen- at the Pentecost, right? Peter and the disciples spoke in a way that people could understand. And then they believed, right? So, um, you know, and God equipped them to do that. So sometimes if, if you know the person doesn't have any kind of church background or something like that, they're probably not going to get some of the terms we would use inside this building today. So, you know, just relate to them where they're coming from, right? Um, Acts 17, fall on Mars Hill in Athens, um, 
you know, they were Bible illiterate, right? They didn't know anything about the Bible, mostly in the Areopagus, right? So, uh, so we can, you know, remind ourselves of that as well. Uh, going on, the author talks about don't share Jesus as if he were just an additive. You know, sort of, well, if you have Jesus, you'll get this and that and that in your life on top of what you're currently doing, right? Um, it's not like cash back on your visa. So don't present Christ like that, right? Um, let's see. Uh, you know, some might think I'm happy enough and I don't need Christ, and then, you know, that sort of brings up the question, what's enough? When do you know enough's enough, right? Uh, so we have that. Um, he does also say, don't forget to warn of the repercussions of rejecting Christ. When you get into that deep conversation and you're able to present the gospel, you know, we need to also make sure they understand the full gospel. And part of that message is there are repercussions for rejecting Christ, right? And, and so he asks, you know, are you afraid that it will offend the listener? And if you find yourself in that boat, then remind yourself, I care enough about this person. I really want them to understand what Christ, who Christ is and what the repercussions of not following Christ are. Like that, that is part of the story, right? So tell the whole truth. Um, so uh, the author goes on, you know, the, the common question, get back to it, I mentioned it earlier, right? But how could God love someone that loves lo- a loving God sends someone to hell, right? Matthew 25, 41, if you're looking for the right scripture reference or, or a scripture reference is, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels, right? And, and hell was created for the devil and his angels. So if a person ends up in hell, look at it this way. God is just simply giving them what they want. Uh, C.S. Lewis said, there's only two kind of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those whom God says, thy will be done. So all that are in hell choose it in some way, and without that self-choice, there could be no hell. That's C.S. Lewis. Uh, So the author says, look, to promise heaven and not warn of hell is to offer forgiveness without repentance, essentially. Right? So we shouldn't be doing that. To preach the gospel without the cross is essentially a false message without giving false hope. And if we really love people, we have to tell them the truth about eternity as well. And that doesn't say it's that doesn't mean it's uh, hellfire and brimstone. Um, you know, remember Jude 22 and 23: Show mercy and rescue them. Uh, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So the book goes on then to say, hey, speak their language, right? Sort of touched on this a little bit already. You had Paul in Athens. He had the Epicureans who were all about the pursuit of pleasure and had no real order in the universe, and they're living in the moment, right? And so that probably sounds familiar to some people when you look around society today. And then you had the Stoics who were very disciplined, you could argue much like a Buddhist view of, of life. You could also look around society and find some people that fall into that category pretty easily. right? But then he goes on to say, look, the culture today is actually what's been labeled as the nuns. 
right? N-O-N-E-S, nuns. So he's like, where do the protests of faith go, right? Before you had people who believed, and then you had people who sort of protested that faith, right? They said, uh, you know, I don't agree with you or whatever. His point is they just let go rather than turning to something else. And so they don't believe anything in particular. A lot of people are just open to spirituality, right? They just let go of their faith. They can't prove all this stuff, so the question for them is, well, that's maybe or who knows. Someday we'll know, right? Um, There's many that even say they have a deep connection to nature and Mother Earth kind of thing, right? Very Native American view, uh, if you will. Um, so the question is, how do we reach the nuns, right? And so we have some examples. We have Paul in Athens where he talks to them about what concerns them um, and then shares the truth. And so the author reminds us, reminds us not to be ashamed. Remembers Romans 1.6, and you are also among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Um, he also says, have confidence in your message. You don't have, he reminds us, don't, you don't have to make it more appealing. You just have to proclaim it and let God work. And then he actually says in the book, just let the lion out of the cage. Right? I mean, don't keep yourself caged up. Open the lock. lock let the lion go. Uh, Paul actually uses the word, uh, Adam will tell me how to pronounce it properly later, dunamis, I guess. Right? Good? All right. Um, the root for dynamite. And so the point is, the gospel is explosive. Right? So don't put water on it and put the fuse out. Let it do its thing, right? <laughs> um, Paul assessed the situation and adapted. Right? And, uh, and so we should think about that. He also reminds us, you know, again, speak in a way that people can understand. Things like washed in the blood sound outrageous to somebody who has no biblical understanding, right? Body of Christ sounds strange, if not cultish. Did it in the New Testament times? It does today, right? So we got to think about when is the right time to start using biblical terminology when we're sharing things. Doesn't mean we need to change the story, right? But you might want to consider from time to time the verses sort of stick with you about sharing the gospel. Maybe you go look it up in like, good news version or something, just to sort of get a different kind of terminology that you might be able to use, right? I mean, I'm personally a fan of the ESV, but I know a lot of the words in the ESV aren't going to make sense if somebody has no background. Um, So he says, look, you don't have to stop using biblical terminology, but try to put it in terms people can relate to and understand, especially when they have no background. Uh, He also reminds us to use scripture, but quote it more conversationally. Uh, a lot of times when it's just, well, the Bible says this, da 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 right? Then some people are sort of like, well, is that what you believe? Or are you just sort of reiterating something? And so his point here is, you know, when you're working into the conversation, well, the Bible says such and such, right? And this is why I believe it, right? It, it, when it's more conversational, it's easier to just keep the engagement going, easier to have that conversation for that person, um, again, as things get a little deeper, maybe that's where some of that terminology works its way back in. Uh, he also says, use scripture, but quote, uh, you know, but quote conversationally. Um, you, know, you know, never forget that God's word will never return completely vo- 
void, right? So when we are using Scripture, God will work through that. His point was just, um, you know, just try to do it a little more conversationally usually. Um, but we should keep in mind, Isaiah fifty-five eleven. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And then in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, you know, by all means, we should use the scripture, but try to, again, going back to the earlier chapter, try to pay attention to where, where the person's coming from and try to talk in a way that the person can understand. It's just a barrage of verses. It might be tough. Okay, so we'll wrap things up here. Um, sermon from October 1st, Acts 16, 11 through 40 was the, the uh, scripture that was preached on. And Adam talked about God opening hearts to salvation, and there are four points in the conclusion. Be clear with the good news, right? I was a sinner and lost. I was saved through faith in Christ. I believe. My life changed, and I have hope. I live for God uh, because he died for me. And you can, again, you can make it more complex, but uh, don't forget to be clear with the good news. Be sure that God can save. Be aware that today's circumstances may be ordained to open hearts. Pay attention. Be intentional, right? And then lastly in in that sermon, uh, or one of the last things was, be ready with the answer. And the answer is salvation through faith in Christ. Uh, just a reminder about one other thing Adam said in that sermon was sometimes an open door looks like a closed door, and it's really still open. There's just sort of a difficult path, and it isn't obvious, right? So it doesn't mean we don't go down that path just because it looks difficult or the door looks closed. Okay, so there's a prayer in the bulletin. Uh, again, I'll read it, and then we'll, we'll close in prayer, but I'm not going to pray it. Think about what you need to pray along these terms, right? The, what we talked about today, you can use this as a guide or you can alter it as you see fit. But um, I challenge you to pray this every day this week. And the, this prayer is, Lord, give me the clarity about what the gospel is so I can clearly explain it to others. Help me not to shortchange or confuse hearers. Please conform my stories to your story. Make my testimonies a retelling of the gospel. Use everything in my life to glorify Christ Jesus. Thank you for sending a messenger to tell me the gospel story, for changing my story. And thank you for sending me to do the same for others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so consider praying that each day this week. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much that you gave us a story to tell others. We thank you for making your gospel clear. We ask that you would help us to make that clear for others. You would give us the opportunities uh, that we shouldn't shy away from, Lord. Help us to continue to use your word to equip ourselves and to have the right mindset as we interact with others and to use the right words. And Lord, we trust that your Holy Spirit will guide that. And so we ask that you would um, give us that confidence and boldness to go forward this week and to share the gospel with others. In Jesus' name, amen.